Welcome to Pros Tinted Classes. I'm Bailey. And I'm Katie. And today we are going to talk about uh, Pros Tinted Classics. Yeah, so I have been wanting to like reread some of the classics that I read when I was younger, mainly stuff that I was like assigned in high school and see how like my views about the work have changed. Um, I was definitely that kid who was like, oh my God, no author purposefully uses symbolism. Like it's all coincidence. And I, like, I think having like grown and like now that my brain is done cooking, I probably will have some different viewpoints on that. <laughs> Bailey really liked that, <laughs> that phrasing. <laughs> You did okay? No, we're off to like a top 10 start. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I also definitely never thought that someone would purposefully use symbolism. um, And I responded to that by simply never reading a book in which someone might have been construed as using symbolism, which I think we have (laughs) well covered, um, that I have not read many classics, and particularly (laughs) not this classic. Nor have I seen any Pride and Prejudice movies. That's so wild to me. I I should have made you watch some of the movies first before we did this because I think it it would change the way you think about it probably. Um, but yeah, so we're we're doing Pride and Prejudice today. I fully plan on watching the movie after we're done recording if it's not too late. Um, because mm-hmm. I wanted to watch it beforehand, but <clears throat> I finished the book ten minutes ago. As is now my brand. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say you pulled a, a pulled a Bailey special. Yes, uh, this is now my brand. So I finished <laughs> Pride and Prejudice about ten minutes ago. Um, it took me until yesterday to realize that the audiobook would also be free because it is public domain, and thus I could have finished it long ago. But no, I decided to basically start and finish it between yesterday and today. Yeah, I you first picked it up weeks ago, and you're like, this is not going well. And then I guess you just never picked it up again until Certainly not. I started reading Cuckoo Cloudland, and that was definitely far more interesting. (laughs) Anyway, I have read it. It did get more interesting. I can see why people enjoy it. Before we get too into it, I guess I did yell at someone for spoiling something in this earlier. So this is a 208-year-old book. We did look up the publication date before we began talking about it. And by we, Bailey means me. Oh, I did Google it earlier when I told okay. someone they um, spoiled it. I had to look it up. I also had to look it up <laughs> last night because that stupid trivia question. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Tell the trivia story really quick because it is cracking me up still. It made me so angry. So we were at trivia last night and the question theme was lit- literature. And they said, what famous female author was the first to like feature baseball in her novel? Um, and I immediately thought as soon as they said this, I was like, oh no, it's going to be Jane Austen, isn't it? And then, um, they said the novel was Northanger Abbey. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't recognize that one. I bet you it's one of like the Bronte sisters. And so we ended up putting 
Charlotte Bronte because we'd never heard of it. And then once we turned in the answer, I Googled it and I was like, motherfucker, it was Jane Austen. <laughs> and that's just especially cruel because before the trivia game started, I was telling everyone at the table how I was supposed to finish Pride and Prejudice tomorrow and it was not looking likely. <laughs> and what's even funnier is when you originally told me the story you're like oh we had a trivia question that i i should have known because it was jane austen and i was like yeah you should have known it and then you're like well the novel was wuthering heights we or sorry the novel was northanger abbey and we guessed one of the brontes and i was like oh you know what like i've never read northanger abbey like i also might have guessed one of the brontes and then you told me what the actual question is i was like what right like i <laughs> Which female author was the first one to feature baseball in her novel? I don't know. It was wild because we also had to know how many astronomical units there are in a parsec. Like, trivia yesterday really took a turn for the worse in the second half. Um, but, yeah, anyways. Y'all's trivia sounds much harder than our trivia. Like, we got sec- We got a bunch of wrong yesterday, actually, because we were all kind of drunk already. Um, but we got second, <laughs> like, easily. We went from second to, I think we ended up in fifth because... At the end of the second half, we were in fourth, and we weren't sure of the final answer, so we decided to um, only wager two, so that we would still probably win third if everyone else fucked up their answers. Mm -hmm. But one of the teams came, they wagered all 15 points that you can for the final question, and came from, like, second to last to first, because everyone else got it so wrong, and they nailed it. Yeah. That's wild. Anyway. Well, I definitely want to play your trivia sometime, and you should come and play our trivia and see how much easier it is. I but deeply anyway. enjoy winning at trivia handily. But yeah, anyway, there <laughs> might be some spoilers for this book, and then we will touch on, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice in modern media and stuff, so... Yeah, I I did a lot more um, reading and preparing for this. Um, I read, like, two retellings, and I watched, like, three pieces of media. So I have a lot more to talk about and like tell Bailey about and that stuff will be spoiled. To be fair, I have read one of the retellings long before Mm -hmm. I read this, which means that I now need to read the retelling again to pull the parallels better. But anyway, (laughs) um, anyway, uh, if you're spoiled, it's on you. Um, It's a, it's an old book. Come on. Right. So Bailey, do you just want to open up with, um, with your general thoughts having just read this for the first time? Sure. Uh, I actually did enjoy it once I sort of got over the hump of the beginning. I don't love the language still. Like That was my biggest holdup in the novel, I think, is that it's just written in a different level of prose than I'm used to reading. So, <laughs> eh. Uh, I did get really angry at the characters I can imagine that everyone gets angry at. <laughs> which um, I'm going to guess it's Collins and Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And Wickham. And Wickham, of course. Wickham but yeah, sucks. Lady Catherine de Bourgh, I, especially there at the end when you were getting ready, you're like, let me know. And I was like, yeah, Lady Catherine's here. She's fucking yelling at Lizzie. Ugh. <laughs> that bitch. Um, I don't want to say it was like better than I thought it was because I always thought it was probably a pretty good book. I just never actually read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, actually, so like... I read it for the first time a few years ago. I didn't actually read this one in high school. So starting off, not really following the concept of these episodes. Um, but I was I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I was expecting, like, obviously the story holds up, but I was expecting the book to not feel very accessible. Um, and I think there definitely is some of that with, like, the language and the, the prose type and, like, the vocabulary choices that she just uses words that we don't commonly use anymore. Um, and I... I think that it was still fairly accessible, um, and I I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. 
Yeah, I think it's just a little slower than I'm used to reading because sometimes the clauses of sentences are in like a different order than we use in like modern English. Mm-hmm. And so I'm used to speed reading everything. And I you can't do that with Jane Austen, I guess, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So here we are. Uh, I did recognize a number of quotes from throughout the book that have just permeated pop culture, starting, I think, with the opening quote that everyone is quite familiar with. Yeah, and I, well, I was just going to comment on that. I feel like in a lot of adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, it's played kind of like a straight romance story, but it really is like a satire and it's really funny. And I think one of the best examples of that is like the opening line that we're about to say is often quoted with only the first half of it. And like, it leaves out the part of it that's a joke. Like it leaves out the punchline. Um, so that that quote is, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of good fortune must be in want of a wife. However, little known the feelings or views of such a man may be on his first entering the neighborhood. This truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered as the rightful property of someone or other of their daughters. Which is a quote that I feel just absolutely encompasses the whole genre of books like Pride and Prejudice. Because it's very much the whole like, oh, the new person comes to town, but everybody here has already decided what's going to go down. Um, and <laughs> like he he might have some say in which of the daughters he marries, but like they've already decided he's marrying one of them. I feel like this is a little bit like Little Women, too. Mm-hmm. Like there, everyone's like, oh, there's this new person. Well, we have to do this. I also was a little surprised by how little Darcy was present in parts of the novel. Mm-hmm. Which I guess if I'd had slightly more understanding of the storyline, that wouldn't have been such a surprise. Yeah, I I can see how, how you would have expected. Like, I think the parts of them bantering is what has, like, stuck in the public consciousness. And so I can imagine being surprised that that's not, like, the whole book is not just them bantering. It was some top-notch banter, like the ball scene. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And I do... Th- I feel like that hinted at what was to come, and I think that's the whole point. But the whole, like, being smart asses to each other, very much loved it. Very modern. Mm-hmm. Like, you could easily make that very modern. And it also very much um, would have fit right in in a Bridgerton scene. Oh, totally. I I feel like this is, like, the OG Enemies to Lovers book, which is probably part of why I like it so much. Right. And I do like that it's not, like, violent enemies. Mm-hmm. it's just like we I'm, de- I'm determined not to like you oh damn it i love you <laughs> truly um yeah but it's really funny i pulled just some of the other quotes that i remembered being really funny um poor mary gets the short end of the stick a lot but I my favorite is i don't understand why she seems so sweet but it's every time they turn around it's like oh mary did this dumb thing <laughs> mary wished to say something very sensible but knew not how <laughs> I did like the um, quote that you included from Mrs. Gar- Gardner. I mm-hmm. should be sorry, you know, to think ill of a young man who has lived so long in Derbyshire. Good enough. Elizabeth. Oh, if it is, if that is all, I have a very poor opinion of men. Holy shit. Okay. You got it. Elizabeth. Oh, if that is all, I have a very poor opinion of a young men who live in Derbyshire. You know what? I'm not reading the quote. Oh, my God. Oh, if that is all, I have a very poor opinion of young men who live in Derbyshire. 
and their intimate friends who live in Hertfordshire are not much better. It was a very funny quote, and I'm reading it, and all of the words are jumping on the page, so I'm giving up. That's fair. That's fair. Did we want to um, touch on, Bailey, you noticed in the book they did, like, the, the dash shirt thing? Yes. I had never come across that in a book that I can remember, and so I texted Katie, like, uh, why does it, like, not name the militia that Wickham is mm-hmm. in? Like, why is it just dash dash sure? Yeah, and I, so I remembered it vaguely. Like, that happens a lot in Count of Monte Cristo, too. They'll do it a lot with people, where it's like Countess L dash. Um, and I looked it up a little bit more after talking to you about it, just to have some more information. And basically, uh, especially in England, I think, but also in, like, Europe at the time, um, like, everyone of stature was, like, a real person and was, like, well-known. And all these places were, like, well-known. So if Jane had, if Jane Austen had said, like, oh, it takes place in Hertfordshire, then people, I don't know if they necessarily would have been, like, confused as to whether or not it was, like, fiction, but they would have, like, looked for more of their home in the text or whatever. And I think there were also some pretty um, strict libel laws. So if you, like, said anything bad and it was, like, about a real person, even, like, accidentally, um, that would have been like it would have been a shitstorm yeah and so i mean england they, still has instead of like pretty strong libel laws yeah so instead of just like making up a name and like risking it being too close to a real name or like accidentally hitting on a real name um they just like were like this is a made-up name just don't worry about it just move right. on with your life and it makes sense and it's fine because it doesn't affect the story as long as you can tell the difference between each like dash place or Dash, like, they did the same thing when they were in London. Oh, they found them on Dash Street. Like, yeah, you're right. I I don't give a shit what street in London it is. Like, I don't know any of the streets in London in 1813. Like, it just, yeah, that'll do. Um, It just struck me as odd since I'd never seen it before. And I had to ask about it. And now I know for the next time we do a prose-tinted classic. <laughs> yeah, one, one of these days I'll finally get you to read um, The Count of Monte Cristo. And then you'll be prepared. I am not prepared to read The Count of Monte Cristo, but that's fair. It's so good. Oh my god, Bruce is whining. I hear him. I hear him now. Jumping back in. Jumping to, yes, people who I did not like. Definitely Collins, from the moment he appeared on page, I was just like, man, this guy is obnoxious and I know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Collins is just so annoying and like weirdly sycophantic. It, but it's also like it kind of is funny how it becomes a running joke of him like singing Lady Catherine's praises. Um, another quote I pulled that I thought was funny: um, Elizabeth was called on by her cousin, Mister Collins, to give her opinion of all that she had seen at Rosings. But her commendation, though costing her some trouble, could by no means satisfy Mister Collins, and he was very soon obliged to take her ladyship's praise into his own hands. Yes, throughout the story, especially after <laughs> Elizabeth turns him down and he, like, leaves with Charlotte, um, he just, like, continues to send these letters that are so hopelessly oblivious about everything that's, like, really happening. And is just all like, yes, Lady Catherine, everything. And even everyone else around them is saying, yeah, you know, like, good for him. I'm glad it works for him. But goddamn, like, that woman is not someone I would want to be around or associated with and collins is like everything is wonderful Mm -hmm. yeah he it's 
interesting how how much he um admires her. <laughs> and then Wickham was more interesting because I honestly wasn't expecting him to come back into the story in the way that he did. Truly was surprised by Lydia running away with him. Even as they were saying, even as Elizabeth got the letter from Jane about Lydia running away, I still didn't expect it to be Wickham. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought it was going to be some soldier. Yeah. Did you like think that they had like defeated him already and like he was would be too embarrassed to come back or do you just think his did you just think his story was over i wouldn't even know if it was like defeat so much as he just like realized that the prospects that he wanted out of that neighborhood were gone and so he was just going to move on mm-hmm. like cut his losses uh, but then lydia came back with him and she is insufferable at the mm-hmm. end there like absolutely insufferable even when her sisters are kind of like okay can you tone it down this is so obnoxious. Have a little bit of respect for everything you just did. And she goes, I have to go visit the neighbor so they can call me by my new name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she fucking sucks. Like, she, it was really funny, though. Like, she, um, basically, like, her life was about to be ruined by this man. And then Darcy saved the day. And so she's, like, so fucking smug about something that, like, she really almost fucked up her whole life. I mean, she pretty much fucked it up her whole life. Yeah, I'm, but he, Mr. Darcy, saved it, which is when I knew that, you know, this whole thing. Obviously, I knew that they were going to end up together. It's a <laughs> fucking premise. Um, that's when I knew we'd reached the, like, turning point was when Mr. Darcy helped fix the family fuck up. And I knew he'd be coming back around. And I, uh, I was able to predict that Bingley would come back around for Jane, mm-hmm. which was very sweet. Yeah, I like that there are, like, I can think of, I mean, I guess five if you include the parents, but, like, all of the relationships are very different in a way that's very, like, real and believable and also very interesting and entertaining. So, like, the Lydia Wickham relationship is basically what Austin was satirizing in Pride and Prejudice. Like, at the time, that would have been the style of most romance books is these like whirlwind love at first sight running off and doing something foolish. Um, but it all works out in the end. And Jane Austen was like, you guys are idiots. Like, are you kidding me? Like that does not happen in real life. And so she basically made that kind of like the joke or the, the like bad part of this novel and instead used like a much more um, interesting and like long term Okay, Dolly. Stop groaning, baby. Uh, A much more interesting and long-term falling for each other, like, kind of, yep, kind of against their wills. And um, much more, like, logic-based and, like, rational, where they, it was, like, through getting to know each other that they fell in love. Right. It was all very, I liked the different plays on love. Um, And you put in the notes about Charlotte and Collins just sort of, building a life together and Charlotte saying like, well, this is what I'm able to procure. So I'm going with it. And mm-hmm. then also what you don't have listed is like Jane and, and Bingley, which I feel was a different kind of love too, because they were from the moment they met, they were kind of interested in each other and forming this relationship, but it wasn't a whirlwind like Lydia and Wickham. Mm-hmm. It wasn't over the top. It was, subtle enjoyment of each other's company at the ball and then mr darcy had to go and ruin it and come back and mm-hmm. fix that later mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and it was also, like, they're just, like, the two nicest possible characters. Like, they're both so sweet. I love them so much. I'm really glad that um, Darcy got his hat out of his own ass and uh, fixed that for them. Me uh, But too. yeah, I agree with that. And then the other, like, couple that we see frequently is um, the uh, the Bennett parents. And I think their relationship is really funny. First of all, just because Mrs. Bennett is so annoying. Mrs. Bennett is really annoying. And Mr. Bennett, he's, like, so funny and, like, witty. But at a closer look, you realize he's, like, he also kind of sucks because he is, like, not caring for the family in the way that he should. Because he just kind of fucked everything up because he was just waiting for them to have a son and was spending um, in a way that he was like, it'll be fine because then I'll have a son. He'll take care of the girls. And then he never did. And so he just kind of, like, throws up his hand and gives up. And I do think the narrator touches on that a little bit about how Elizabeth loves her father, but knows that he's like not actually that good of a father and mm-hmm. how she cannot deal with the excitableness of her mother. Mm-hmm. Just the absolute ridiculousness of her mother and, and Lydia and Kitty. And honestly, I think Lydia and Kitty are condemnation of the character that would have been contemporary to them at the time in novels like frivolous mm-hmm. fashion just want to go to town to see all the officers type thing and and then jane is a little bit of the opposite of that but then is the other character archetype almost of the super serious does everything that's right okay well my hopes for love didn't work out so i'll just put my head down and keep living mm-hmm. yeah i think I think that her characters are so, like, rich and interesting um, and, like, varied. And I think that, like, everybody, like, sees themselves in one or or another of the characters and everyone can, like, relate to them, which is really cool. Uh, But but I was – another quote that I pulled that's one of my favorites about the Bennett parents is, um, an unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents – your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins, and I will never see you again if you do. I loved that line. I felt it encapsulated the character of Mr. Bennett perfectly. And I also mm-hmm. think the way I picture Mr. Bennett, you could put him in any drawing room, in any family room, in any era, and he would still be the same character. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Just like sitting in an armchair with like a book and a tea. And right. just like spitting spitting out witty criticisms or like listening to the radio Mm -hmm. with a cigar i could see i could see it all and so i loved that about his character so i'm sure that in um the retellings he's all going to be pretty similar (laughs) extremely good transition thank you (laughs) um so yeah pride and public wow pride and prejudice is in the public domain um and like there are lots of retellings of things that aren't in the public domain they're just like not as nakedly retellings but a lot of these are just very naked um starting with the first one that we we both read earlier this year um Aisha at last by Uzma Jalaluddin came out in 2018 uh it's very cute retelling um the protagonist is muslim and wears a hijab and i think that this was very clever because I think that like the old timey courtship rules align really nicely with like the modesty of like modern Muslim courtship. Um, so I think it was a really clever use of like 
this seems out of date, but it's actually, it's still modern in this other context. Yes. I really enjoyed the book. Um, I'm sorry. I really enjoyed Aisha at last. It was such a good take on it. Like I said, I had not read Pride and Prejudice at the time, so I didn't have a lot of the parallels. But it does really mirror it now that I'm like looking at a quick summary to remind myself of exactly what happened. And it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it just seems to work really well as the, the concept. Um, and I do... Sorry, I'm trying to fix... I just need to start this whole thing over. I'm just not <laughs> with it today. That's okay. Um, I also... Like I said, I really want to reread it so I can catch those things again and see more of the parallels because it's not an exact retelling there's fewer sisters there's a little less like flightiness of the other sisters i think because Mm -hmm. multiple characters were kind of condensed into one yeah and also they they added that whole um like identity mix-up plot point which i thought was actually quite funny and charming but definitely is not straight out of pride and prejudice but also made it fun because then it's not the exact same thing Mm mm-hmm yeah. It was really cute, though. Um, highly recommend that you pick that one up. Uh, another one that I read uh, a few weeks ago is called Pride and Premeditation uh, by Tears of Price. And it's just Pride and Prejudice, but now it's also a murder mystery. Um, it was very cute. Jane is like a plucky private investigator working for her dad's law firm. Um, and she want, wants to hopefully become a lawyer someday, but she has to, like, prove herself to her father that she can, like, work at the law firm. And it's still, um, it's definitely not modern. I don't know if it's, like, the exact same era as the original Pride and Prejudice, but they're, like, in central London and her dad is a barrister and then Darcy is a barrister at, like, a rival law firm. And so Bingley is, like, framed for a murder and, um... So, like, Lizzie and Darcy have to, like, work together to um, clear his name. Um, And, like, of course, along the way, they fall in love and Jane and Bingley fall in love. And um, it's really cute. But spoiler alert, uh, do you want to take a a stab (laughs) at who the murderer might have (laughs) been? Bailey? Yeah, I guess I will. I I feel like I'm, like, definitely going to be wrong. Uh, But I'm going to guess that they were framing... No, okay, sorry. Who the actual murder was? Mm-hmm. It was Wickham. It was not Wickham, but you're very close. Think of what other character do you hate? Is Was it Collins? It was Collins. Oh, no! Um, and he was working under the direction of Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who was, like, pretending to be um, a respectable society lady, but was really a pirate. What?! <laughs> That's so opposite of her actual character. It was so delightful, though. It was oh my really, gosh. really cute. Uh, that's so, a, I might have to read that. You should. I, I have a copy I can let you borrow next time we're in the same space. Okay. And then the aforementioned movie that I have not seen, which is not so much a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was gonna say that's not a retelling, is it? It's just an adaptation. No, okay. Yeah, the, I feel like those were the two like book retellings that we have interacted with, and now we're just doing like adaptations. And 
I mean, some of them are kind of retelling. Uh, we'll we'll get to it. Um, so there are lots and lots of Pride and Prejudice, like movies, miniseries. Um, a lot of people uphold the Colin Firth one as like the definitive one, uh, but we are millennials, and our definitive version is the 2005 movie with Matthew McFadden and uh, Keira Knightley. Sure. Bailey's shrugging because she I hasn't seen it. I haven't seen either. I've I've seen like I've seen the hand part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the hand. Obviously, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Um, if you're unfamiliar, there's a part where Darcy helps Lizzie into the carriage, and he's as he walks away, he like flexes his hand because he like can't handle that he just touched Elizabeth. It's very it's cute. wonderful. I mean, I will be watching it later. I think. But yeah, you I, totally I know should. About the hand. Um, it's great. I mean, Keira Knightley is a queen. She's fantastic. Um, it's just really cute. It holds up. Um, a lot of the characters are played by really awesome actresses and actors. Like um, Jane is Rosamund Pike. Who narrated the audiobook. <sighs> yeah, she did. So that was fun. And um, Kitty is, gosh, what's her name? Promising young one. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. Oh, okay. Uh, which was fun. She didn't, I mean, she didn't get like a huge part because it's Kitty, but right. um, it was fun being like, oh yeah, that's I know her. her. Very mm-hmm. cool. No, I haven't, I mean, it's, uh, as you said, Katie, it is the definitive Pride and Prejudice of our generation. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen it. In part because mm-hmm. I definitely have um, a bit of a, you have to read the book before you see the movie thing, which can be discussed <laughs> at a later date on a different episode. <laughs> Sure, sure. I yeah, definitely familiar with your perspective there. I will say that I think a lot of times with classics, it's actually pretty beneficial to do it the other way around, especially in ones where the prose is so like drastically different from modern prose. Um, because then you like understand what's going on, and then you can appreciate the books more. I so deeply suspect that's the case for Pride and Prejudice, and that once I watch the movie, I'll be like, oh, nice, I do really like that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. same thing with like any other classic we're gonna have to read that has a popular adaptation (laughs) um so another adaptation i did not rewatch this because i ran out of time but i really really highly recommend um that you bailey or anyone listening watch the lizzie bennett diaries which is a youtube web show adaptation set in modern times where like lizzie just like has a vlog um, and it's so precious, and it's produced by TikTok's own Hank Green. Um, just a really, really like charming and fun adaptation. It's like every video is like three to five minutes, so they're like really bite sized. Um, I mean, there are like a hundred episodes. Um, oh dang! By the end, yeah, but it's really, really fun. And uh, a couple of things that I really like that they did is they try they changed um, Charles Bingley to um, Bing. Lee, so he's Asian. It was, I think it was a really cool way to like add representation, um, and also Charlotte Lucas became Charlotte Lou, and she's also um, Asian. And I just think that, that was just like a fun, easy way to like twist it and like add that representation without like having to upend the whole story. Yeah, definitely easy to change those names. I will probably also watch at least two snippets of that. But probably not all 100 episodes. That's quite an undertaking. Yeah. I um, I did not watch it like when it was airing, but it would come out like weekly. And uh, so that was really cute for whoever got to watch it week to week. But I binge it all over like two weekends or something like that. Nice. 
in college. Speaking of more things I have not watched, Bridget Jones. Yeah, Bridget Jones's Diary um, is actually, so it's it's based on a book that's based on Pride and Prejudice, but the first movie slash book, I haven't read the book, but I, I watched the, the whole trilogy a few weekends ago. Um, the first one is, is a pretty moderately faithful adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, and including like the love interest is named Mark Darcy, and he's played by Colin Firth, which is funny. So <laughs> Colin circle. Firth has played two Mr. Darcy's. Um, but it's really cute. It's fun. Um, Bridget is a very different character than Elizabeth. Um, I'm nodding the, emphatically. The rest of the, yeah, as if you know. <laughs> well, I actually have seen like snippets of Bridget Jones. Okay. And so the concept of it is not foreign to me, but that the character sure. of Bridget Jones just seems very different. Yeah, she's way more flighty and like silly, I guess, than Elizabeth. But a lot of the the same beats are there, and it's cute. Um, I enjoyed it. I have not, I hadn't watched those movies in a really long time, so that was fun. Um, and then the last one that I wanted to touch on. Oh my god, do you hear that? Yes. The fuck? It was like in the hallway. What in the world is happening? A demon dog. I don't know. Okay. Um. Stay safe. Gone. Thanks. My door is locked. It's fine. And I've got two dogs to protect me. I mean, they won't do shit, but I can pretend. Anyway, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Um. Hopefully that wasn't a zombie in your hallway. <laughs> hopefully. Yes. Uh, I ran out of time to watch this, and I didn't watch it when it came out. I always like meant to because it has lily james and matt smith in it and i I like both of them um right i think that that's just a really fun concept of like what you can do with novels once they go into the public domain just like add a zombie right just fuck it do it i did not realize that matt smith was in it guess who he plays I just looked it up, and I'm really mad about it, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know, it. I was too. He was he featured like so um, heavily in the marketing. I always had assumed that he was Darcy, oh. um, but he is not. So, okay, this is what I thought: Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was a book adaptation first. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and I actually I tried pretty hard to find a copy of the book, but it's clearly not in print anymore, or else I'm really bad at searching for things. Um, and I'm like, I didn't try very hard, but. Um, yeah, I was going to order a copy of the book and it did not work out. I had always known that it was a copy. I, I feel like when it first came out, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. funny. And then I was like, but I'm never going to read Pride and Prejudice. So I'm also never going to read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Mm-hmm. But everyone yeah, always I don't know. ask about it. Like, oh, have you read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know like who did that, who's responsible for it, but they also did abraham lincoln vampire slayer correct or vampire hunter or whatever yes but i i just love the concept of of taking things and making them silly because they're yes. in public domain very much so but i have not seen it it's kind of like when people are like oh you've read dune right and i'm like no mm-mm, still no yeah i think no, we talked about that earlier same. yeah i just i don't know what it is i just don't have any interest in dune and i like i feel like i need to see the movie at least because people have said really good things about it um, but eh, I just, eh. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably watch it eventually. I just never read it. It never crossed my radar to read it when I was like younger. And then it was like, oh, you could read it before the movie came out, but 
honestly, I've heard so many people struggle with it. I have no interest in forcing myself to read it before I watch the movie. Although, uh, this morning I saw a tweet from a friend <laughs> that is absolutely convincing me not to watch the movie. So, Oh my gosh. Great. What was the tweet? What did he say? It was two in a row. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. Okay. As we get sidetracked on a Pride and Prejudice episode to Dune. <laughs> I don't know his Twitter handle. There we go. Uh, he first tweeted... Watching Dune right now. I love all these futuristic shields that don't do anything but look cool and change colors. There was one more, I feel like, but I don't see it now. And then he tweeted, oh, that's just the end straight up. (laughs) I was like, well, I was debating watching it and now I'm probably not. Yeah, I think um, like they're supposed to be a sequel. And I think that it just like chopped off in the middle of the story, which is probably why it ended like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'll wait for the sequel to come out and watch them both together. Yeah, when I replied to him, that's what he basically said. Was like, I mean, it is part one, theoretically, so like it makes sense. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. but is it worth my investment? Like, Yeah, I also, I still feel um, like they featured Zendaya heavily in the marketing because Zendaya is awesome. And I've heard she's barely in the movie because she plays a bigger role in part two or whatever. But I feel I feel lied to and I won't stand for it. That seems fair. Anyway, back to Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. I know that you and Emily, um, ever since you read it, Katie, I know you said you didn't read it when you were like really younger, have just really mm-hmm. loved it. And I I do need to put in the group chat now to Emily that I have finished this book. <laughs> and that you have correct opinions about it. I, um, no, I can't I say I have said, correct opinions I... about it. You and Emily have to determine if I have correct opinions about it, I feel like. No, I feel like I've determined earlier when you were like having trouble reading it. I was texting Emily. I'm like, she's reading it and she's having wrong opinions. Um, But I feel like your opinions have improved. (laughs) Having wrong opinions because I wasn't into the prose? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Oh, you literally, she just messaged the group chat just now. Thought you were going to do it like after we got off. Nope. I thought of it now. And so I'm doing it. I messaged, (laughs) I messaged the group chat. Um, sure. Yeah, so uh, our friend Emily is a big Pride and Prejudice fan, um, and I have also become one, and so we often send each other Pride and Prejudice memes, um, which is fun, and now we can send them to Bailey, too. I will finally understand. <laughs> have Kelly and Nicole read it? Have uh, I think Nicole has, or was going to. I don't know about Kelly. Okay. We'll just have to form another branch group chat that is only Pride and Prejudice memes. Please, God, no. I, we're in too many fucking group chats. I can't wait to read another book with a map so I can resurrect books with maps. <laughs> books with maps. <laughs> yeah, we have an entire group chat um, that is just to send pictures of maps and books. And it's we great. all it's constantly great. forget about it until every once in a while someone will send a picture to it. And we'll be like, oh shit, this chat exists. Um, That's great. Now we have to have a Pride and Prejudice one, but I do need guidance. Like, what are we naming it? Ooh. That's a good question. Listeners, you, we're putting the power in you now. You have to determine what we're naming our Pride and Prejudice group chat. Ooh, we could do it like, uh, we could name it like Netherfield. That's, um. Yeah, the estate. estate. 
or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I feel like I'd rather be at Pemberley. Mm, you're right. We should be Pemberley. Yeah. I'm going to send the first Pride and Prejudice meme to the group chat. Okay. So it's not the Pride and Prejudice one, but... Okay. Oh, no! <laughs> I love George! <laughs> Same. It's a it's a great British Bake Off meme. Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. meme. Yeah. Oh, George. Dirt. Oh. <laughs> uh, so anyway, circling back to Pride and Prejudice things. Um, I will say, so at, as I've said, I did not read it when I was very young. I didn't read it in high school, um, but I read it for the first time a few years ago. I continue to be surprised at how well it holds up as a story. I think it's really funny and that a lot of that humor completely translates to oh. modern times. As someone who has only read it as an adult <clears throat> half an hour ago, um, <laughs> I think the humor held up pretty well. I thought the witticisms that particularly Elizabeth and Mr. Bennett and Elizabeth and Darcy trade are, are mm-hmm. really good. And then I feel like there are a lot of comments that Elizabeth makes and other people don't get that she's like making fun of them. And I mm-hmm. love that, especially from a protagonist in 1813. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised by, I mean, pros aside, how modern it feels and how modern the characters feel. Um, like, I feel like they could easily, like, we could walk up to any of them in, like, real life. Like, they feel really real and fresh out. And wow, that's not words. Real and fleshed out and interesting. And I think that leads to a greater discussion about, like, period pieces versus, like, historical fiction, a conversation which we hope to have more in depth one day. But I, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a reason Pride and Prejudice is, like, the the gold standard for that. Because mm-hmm. it really yeah. does. And obviously there are some aspects of it, like, they travel by horse and carriage for everything. Um, which is, and you know, when they take these trips and they send letters by express, like, you no longer have to take a four-week trip for it to be worth it to go somewhere that's not that far from your house, admittedly, except for the fact that you only have horses to get around. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and we don't have the social um, structure of having to, like, call on people and visit and all of that anymore. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I think we, I think Pride and Prejudice was a, it was a success for the first uh, pro-stented classics. Yeah, I, I really uh, put it off, obviously, a lot reading it because I was sort of dreading it. But turns out I did really like it a lot more than I thought. Um, I will probably still dread the next classic because <laughs> as a st- Katie and I had a meeting the other day where we kind of went over all of these classics that Katie has read. And I don't think that I had read. I think the there was like one or two that I have read that Katie hasn't. Mm-hmm. And they're George Orwell. <laughs> <laughs> no i've read 1984 okay so it's animal farm it's just animal farm oh yeah right? yeah yeah yeah. i have not read animal farm okay yeah so we'll, uh, we'll... <laughs> the only one i've read so okay well maybe we'll do that one next so that you can have the upper hand no it's okay <laughs> i don't need the upper hand i i am <laughs> it's fine i feel like i just need to get over it and read them and that definitely part of why i struggle with them is because i've been putting off reading them for years which mm-hmm. as we sort of discussed a couple of different ways it's like part of the fact that we had, were forced to read things in school and 
I very much loved reading and very much did not want to read anything for school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. And I mean, honestly, I still do that even like with my own TBR. If it's like, if I like prescribe myself something, suddenly I want to read anything else. Like I don't, I don't want to read things on my TBR. <laughs> I, have a, I have a confession to make. I have not finished Rhythm of War for that exact reason. The more I'm like, I need to finally finish Rhythm of War, the less I can read it. And um, She Who Becomes the Sun is going the same direction. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Because then it, it's... Because then it stops being for enjoyment and starts feeling like an assignment, and nobody right. wants to do assignments. That's why we're not in grad school. Right. Shout out to Emily, our PhD student friend, who is very cool mm-hmm. and amazing, and I'm proud yeah. of her for being in grad school, but could not be us. Could not be us. But very proud of you. Very happy for you. Keep right. doing and it. I put down <laughs> She Who Became the Sun to read something for the pod, so really this is all of your guys' fault. <laughs> that I ha- I can't enjoy this book. <laughs> <laughs> cool well we'll try and make our next um assignment also as big of a hit as uh pride and prejudice i'm also i'm really excited to read more jane austen i've been meaning to for years but as we were just talking about once i put something on my like to-do list it it ironically gets bumped what are you doing Bailey? There's something on my screen and i think my screen is messed up <gasps> okay i got it off Okay. For she those just, of you that um, can't I'd... see us, which is everybody, I just picked up my laptop and got it like an inch from my face. I thought that in the, like I could only see your your braids, and I thought you were like trying to show me your braids, which they're very cute. But I was <laughs> like, like cool. this, there was no prompting here. And also, we're like in the middle of an episode, still not in the like just video chatting. <laughs> I had ample opportunity to have done that before. <laughs> no. No, we went hiking today and it was extremely windy. So I was like, I need to get my hair out of my face. So it's braided. Um, it did rain on us. We did take the wrong trail. Everything is fine. I'm here now. I finished Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, made it home, finished the book, recording the episode. All good. Yes. So, um, uh, yeah. As a note to listeners, um, I did finally get some Christmas ale. I know we've finished off the last couple episodes of talking about Christmas ale, so I just want to throw out there that I did finally get some. It is as delicious mm-hmm. as I wanted. And uh, Daniel got some, too. He had it shipped to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to steal some from him because apparently he got a lot because he like got the maximum amount you could get shipped. Which was the right choice mm-hmm. because it's very good. But I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to trying it and stealing something from Very good. So, Pride and Prejudice, as Katie said, was a success. Uh, she finally spent all this time convincing me to read it, and I did, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I hate all the same people that are appropriate to hate. <laughs> Not that it's hard when you've got characters like Wickham and Colum, Colum, Collins. And Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And Lady Catherine de Bourgh. She is, I feel like you always have to say her full name and title, just because she deserves that level of both respect and, like, ironic hate. On the other hand, I often completely skipped over her name because I disliked her that much and don't care to read long character (laughs) names when I don't like them. Um, So if you don't hate Lady Catherine de Bourgh, um, you can't sit with us. Yeah, you can't sit with us because, um, I mean, as we all know, we are right. And we should say it. Pour you 
yourself a glass of wine Let's start reading in between the lines Never know what we might find Yeah, it could be magic Oh, 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 oh Pro-stinted glasses Pro-stinted glasses is hosted by Katie Phillips and myself, Bailey Utrecht Our theme song is by the lovely Anna Voss and our logo is by Baby Truth Collections. Please do us a favor and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll really help our audience grow. Thanks, and see you at Christmas.